Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, money laundering and the best bills. There are professional money launderers who um, have clients all over the world. When COVID happened and every all the restaurants shut down, that was a big problem. You know, <laughs> the money launderers couldn't use restaurant receipts anymore as as you know, excuse an excuse for depositing dirty cash. NFTs, they are a money launderer's dream. And he laundered money for um, Mexican drug cartels, for terrorist organizations, biker gangs in Australia who were, you know, selling meth. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest is an expert in international money laundering, and that is a trillion-dollar criminal enterprise that affects everything from Mexican drug cartels to biker gangs in Australia, rogue nations, and terrorist organizations. It is so pervasive that you may have seen advertisements for money laundering services in the newspaper and not even realized it. This is Professor Moyara Rusin. I think I know what money laundering is, but what is money laundering? It is moving money or value. So it could be crypto, for example, with the intention of hiding its origin or its purpose. So for example, you commit a crime like drug trafficking, for example, you don't want anyone to know that this money was derived from drug sales or else law enforcement could seize it. And so you're going to move it around a lot um, and do different things with it so that it's going to be impossible to trace that cleaned money to the original crime of drug trafficking. But it could also be moving the money around and, and um, you know, hiding its purpose too. So let's say the money is really going to North Korea, for example, you know, for their nuclear weapons program. Um, and so that would also be money laundering. When I think of it, of course, like, right, I'm thinking of TV shows like Ozark and those kind of drug related shows. Yeah. Like that's who I'm thinking of is doing money laundering. Right. But primarily who is doing this? There are professional money launderers who um, have clients all over the world and they charge commissions of as little as 5% to as much as 20%. Um, And of course their clients are all criminals who need to have their money washed. We're seeing more of that. We're seeing people who are specializing in money laundering, whereas in the past, a lot of these criminal organizations would try to do it themselves. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say you can really generalize about who these people are or what it is that they're uh, 
what type of laundering they're doing exactly. You know, there, there are, for example, individuals who operate so-called mixing services where they're basically laundering cryptocurrency on, on your behalf. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's also money laundering. How much money are we usually talking about on a yearly or kind of whatever basis that you could provide? Well, for the past decade and a half or so, this number has been floated around that one to 2% of global GDP um, is laundered every year, which would be between one and $2 trillion a year. And that's just a stab in the dark. Somebody pulled that number out of there. You know what? I don't know that we really know how much money is laundered. Uh, I think that that's an exaggeration. But what you would need to to get a bead on is how much criminal activity is out there. Okay, whether it's drug trafficking or selling child pornography or, um, you know, lots of arms trafficking and, and other types of crimes, how much of that needs to be laundered? probably 80% of all the criminal money out there needs to be laundered. The remaining 20% is cash that people just use for their everyday expenses. But if I'm a criminal and I want to buy a house or a luxury yacht or you know something substantive, I can't buy it um, with the dirty money or the dirty crypto, I need to launder it first before I can, you know, live the luxurious lifestyle I want to live. Is it hard to launder money or is it hard to launder a lot of money? It's hard to launder a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. And it also depends on what you're starting with. So for, for example, if you're starting with cash, that is tricky and it's really hard to launder um, a lot of cash because, you know, just putting it into a bank, for example, without it being noticed um, is really hard. I think the, the TV show you referenced earlier, Ozark, is a perfect example of that. One way you can do it is try to co-mingle the dirty cash with legitimate businesses um, so Marty is buying all these legitimate businesses, a, s- a strip joint, um, a funeral parlor and, you know, re- restaurants um, that take in a lot of cash are useful for that. If it is, if you're laundering cash, if you're laundering crypto, um, it's um, it, it's less important how little or how much Um it's just, it's really hard to launder crypto. You know, the blockchain is immutable. And so, you know, if, if you ask a, a money laundering investigator, what's easier to track um, crypto transactions or cash transactions or, 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 you know, just even wire transfers through banks, um, they're going to say crypto is the easiest thing to track because we can see where it's going um, several steps ahead and, and, and behind. We, It's really hard to do that with bank transactions. So can people like spot the money launderers or do they basically have to find out that these people are criminals and then they can find it? Does that make sense? Mm. Right. Like, are you finding the criminals by finding the money laundering or are you finding the criminal activity and then you find the money, money laundering? Um, It happens both ways. 
Uh, sometimes, you know, we, you find the money launderer and then from that you find the criminal, but um, more often than not, um, and I tell this to my students because, you know, when they study financial crime, they learn how the criminals do it, right? And, you know, I, my students are already vetted just, be, you know, before they even get into the program. So I'm not concerned that they're going to go to the dark side, but just in case <laughs> they might consider that as a profession, I tell them you can be the best money launderer in the world in terms of the you know techniques that you're using, but that's not going to help you thanks to our plea bargain system, because all of your clients are criminals. And, you know, are you going to trust them when they get caught in their different crimes? They can reduce their sentence by, you know, turning other people in. And often the first person they turn in is the money launderer who isn't their cousin or, or nephew or sister. So are there kind of telltale signs that you say like, oh, that's a sign. That's a sign. This is off, right? Are there telltale signs that kind of spot that money laundering is happening? Oh, yes. Yes. In fact, um, but it's going to depend on what type of crime we're talking about. So there are red flag indicators of um you know, financial crime transactions related to uh, human trafficking, for example, for instance, um, you know, cre- credit card transactions, for example, that are indicative of human trafficking. Um, there are red flag indicators of um, um, trade based money laundering, you know, over invoicing or under invoicing or false invoicing of trade transactions. There are red flag indicators of um, uh, money laundering associated with um, proliferation, um, WMD proliferation financing. And so it really depends on, you know, what type of crime we're considering. The red flag indicators are going to be very different. And so as an investigator, you have to basically study what all those different red flag indicators are. And then you have to develop your, um, your gut instincts and be curious. If something just doesn't seem right, uh, there's something a little bit odd about it. Well, look into it, be curious. I, I tell people that if you want to really be a great investigator, the number one quality is curiosity. For kind of an example's sake, let's say that it's a drug cartel or somebody laundering drug money. Mm-hmm. Like what would those kind of red flags be that jump out? Yeah. Okay. Well, if it is, let's say it's um, cash sales, which, you know, it's still happening. <clears throat> People are still using cash to pay for drugs. Um, although some of that activity has migrated to um, the dark web, but you know, street sales for drugs are still often in cash. And when they try to deposit that cash with a bank, let's say, uh, they're going to have different front company accounts that they might deposit that money into. But they're also going to try to deposit it underneath that $10,000 threshold. If you deposit more than $10,000 cash, then you have to fill out what's called a currency transaction report. 
And it's, it's a pain in the neck and it asks you for a lot of information and you have to provide your identification. And, you know, nobody wants to do that, especially not a criminal. Um, so they make those deposits under $10,000. But let's say that, you know, you don't want to deposit $9,999, right? That's going to be obvious and, and raise red, you know, red flags. Um, so you're going to deposit you know, on Monday, you're going to deposit, you know, $5,671. And on Tuesday, you're going to deposit $7,823. And on Wednesday, you're going to deposit $6,524, et cetera. And you're going to go to the bank and saying, yeah, these are the cash receipts from my restaurant chain or, you know, whatever your excuse is, but it's going to look suspicious um, that you are making all of these multiple deposits between, you know, two and $10,000. And unless you've been doing that for the past 20 years and everybody knows about your successful restaurant chain, um, when COVID happened and every, all the restaurants shut down, that was a big problem. You know, <laughs> the money launderers couldn't use restaurant receipts anymore as, as you know, excuse, an excuse for depositing dirty cash. So, it, you know, there, there's that. And, you know, they're also going, to, a good bank will also look into your restaurant. You know, they'll uh, check and see whether or not um, this is a thriving business and you're bringing in that much cash, um, which is these days very unusual. Most people don't pay um, in cash that often. They'll use a credit card, for example. Yeah, God, I would almost think that using cash at all would be a red flag at this yeah. point, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've carried it in a long. That's really interesting about like COVID and re- restaurant receipts. Like, what? Wow. So, is it hard? to catch people because on one hand I see like, how could you not get caught? And on the second hand, I'm like, well, how could you get caught? Like I feel both ways at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of these money launderers get caught because their criminal clients turn them in, in order to negotiate a lighter sentence. But um, what often happens too, is that the, um, the money mules get caught. So for example, um, let's say you see an ad online that says you can make money from home, which is, you know, a lot of people are interested in. It's many people lost their jobs during COVID. They thought, oh, I can make $100 a day um, for just, you know, two hours of work working from home. Um, sure, what do I need to do? And they might say, well, you know, what we're going to do, we're running a new company and uh, we need someone to help us process our payments. But basically what they're doing is they're moving their criminal money through your bank account. And they're going to give you maybe a commission, 5% commission on all the money they move through your account. Sometimes these are scams and, but sometimes really all you're doing is just, you know, moving the money through your account on their behalf because you are less suspicious. And this has been a huge problem. I think just in the last two, really since COVID um, it's exploded, the recruitment of people to act as money mules. 
And some, and they'll also hire foreign students, for example, who are here just temporarily and then say to them, oh, you know, don't close your account. Um, I will pay you for whatever money is left in your account and then a little extra. Um, and so they'll use that foreign student's account to, you know, move the criminal money through. So people can get like recruited to yeah. money launderers through mm-hmm. classified ads in the paper yes. basically well in online on websites absolutely and it's happening all the time so what what happens to those people well the bank will likely notice this unusual activity and they'll notify you and saying we've noticed some unusual activity in your account and most people once they get a notification like that they'll try to stop doing what they're doing hopefully they're not being um, threatened or pressured by the criminals but some people keep doing it because <laughs> it, maybe it's good money. And then you might be contacted by, you know, FBI or some other law enforcement agency and told, you know, we, we believe that your money is being used to move. I mean, your account is being used to move criminal funds. And then hopefully they'll stop and say, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, I Maybe they suspected, but it's like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they stop and that's fine. They're not going to be prosecuted. It's the people who don't stop, even after a couple of warnings um, that, you know, have the letter of the law come down on them. But um, the criminals realize that eventually this unusual activity is going to be noticed and either those accounts will be closed uh, or you know so, something you know, people will look into it, and so they may only use these money mules um, for a short period of time, and then they have to recruit more. So they're constantly having to recruit new money mules. So, but once it's laundered, is it clean, clean, clean? Like, okay, we did it, we accomplished it, we didn't get through. The money's good to go, or is it always kind of a little bit dirty? It's always kind of a little bit dirty. Um, By the time, uh, what you're doing is you're trying to move the money um, through multiple accounts, um, maybe in multiple jurisdictions, um, then uh, use it to buy property, for example, and then sell that property. And then, you know, by the time the property has been sold and you have, you know, cash in your account that looks like it's from a legitimate property sale. Tracing that back to the original crime, which might be, you know, 10 transactions earlier is going to be really difficult for law enforcement to, um, to follow. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? I am. New tricks. Or is it the same old tricks? Mm. New tricks, NFTs. I, I can't imagine that anybody would uh, invest in an NFT, but they are a money launderer's dream. And there's oh. a lot of self-dealing. You know, people sell NFTs to themselves or their criminal associates as a way to you know, disguise 
these these money laundering transactions. I had never thought of that, right? Because how could you essentially trace it, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, and you could essentially make up whatever it's worth. Like this picture right. of my That's- high school diploma, mm-hmm. I have decided mm-hmm. is worth $3 million. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People do it with any kind of art, um, but with NFTs in particular, I think, I think we're starting to see an uptick in that. Can they stop it? Or is it like, mm, we got you. It's too early to tell. I'm I'm sure that there have been some suspicious NFT transactions that are being uh, investigated, but I don't know that we've seen any prosecutions as yet, but it's only a matter of time. We kind of talked about this one a little bit, but this one just says, I don't know why our audience is speaking in shorthand code, but hard to find, hard to prove. For, or for we, money laundering? I, I guess which one would be harder? Is it harder to find it or is it harder to prove it? Kind of the idea of like, look, I know you stole my candy bar, but I can't prove that you stole my candy bar. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think it usually is? It sounds like the same thing. <laughs> it does kind of, I guess, in this example. Well, we will write that person back and tell them to not waste <laughs> think of a, Think of a better... But is it is but, it but all- the whole idea is you, you need to somehow trace that money that's being moved to the original crime. That and that's tricky. It 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 can be done and it is done. Um, but you know, it's it's time consuming and it's complicated. Do people ever try to launder money for completely legal activities? You don't need to. Why would you do it? It doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't get you through taxes or something. There's not some kind of loophole Hmm. where somebody might be trying to think of like, well, if I take these restaurant tips and I do this, then maybe I don't have to report it. Is there any reason? So that is, that's tax evasion and that is a crime, but that is a separate crime from money laundering. Um, In a lot of other parts of the world, if you are moving money for the purposes of tax evasion, they count that as money laundering and they charge you with you know, tax evasion and money laundering. But in the U.S., I think for historical reasons, we have a separate set of legal statutes for tax evasion. This question is near and dear to my heart because I used to live in Tucson, Arizona, and I swear that that has more mattress firms build mattress stores. <laughs> are, this one just asks, are mattress stores always money laundering fronts? <laughs> because I have never seen a single person in a mattress store and there's 40 in my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 40 in their hometown. That's a lot. If you've ever seen Tucson, Arizona, it's basically a college and 300 mattress stores. It's unbelievable. Like nobody knows what's going on, mm-hmm. but I mean, are there certain types of businesses that kind of lend itself to like, Ooh, that might be, that's a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that many mattress stores? Yes, I would be suspicious. Um, again, when you think about traditional crimes like drug trafficking, it you, you want cash-intensive businesses. And I don't know that people are paying for mattresses with cash necessarily. So I would say a restaurant chain would be your best bet. Like Poyos Armanos oh, for yeah. you know, Breaking Bad reference. But... Uh, but sure, you again, not everybody's using cash now. So we're using, you know, credit card payments and other kinds of payments. And it, if it's part of 
a longer money laundering chain. Sure. You know, it could be mattress stores. It could be anything. Um, Are there certain parts of the country or the world in which are kind of notorious for it? Mm -hmm. Uh, It depends on what stage of the money laundering process we're talking about. So obviously they're, they're, in the early stages of the money laundering process, you're going to see that in places where there's a lot of criminal activity. If, if it's using shell companies, for example, in the layering process, which is like the middle stage of money laundering, one of the easiest places to set up a shell company anonymously is in the United States, unfortunately. Nevada and Wyoming, uh, in particular, Delaware as well. But Delaware, I've heard that they are starting to collect beneficial ownership information on um, their uh, their people who are setting up shell companies. London is still a really easy place to set up a shell company. And, And money launderers use those shell companies all the time. The more, the better. And uh, sometimes they'll just use it for a short period of time and, and then set up a new shell company. So I would say, um, you know, the U S and the UK, unfortunately are, uh, places that are aiding and abetting, um, this type of criminal activity, but you'll also see, um, money laundering take place in jurisdictions where, uh, there aren't many regulations. Um, so, for example, um, cryptocurrency exchanges that are, you know, licensed and registered uh, in you know Europe and North America are really well regulated, and they have compliance departments that do you know criminal investigations all the time. But a cryptocurrency exchange in Moldova, you know, they're probably not well regulated. Um, I don't want to pick on Moldova, but I mean, just in other jurisdictions where you, you don't have a lot of enforcement um, or, and for that matter, maybe even there's nothing to enforce because there no, aren't any laws and regulations to s- stop these um, you know, money service businesses from doing what they're doing. Most famous example that you can think of, like and then most egregious example. And I think what they mean by that and like, what was the biggest case? And then what was the one where like, gosh, man, you were just trying to get caught. <laughs> oh, there've been plenty of those um, where, you know, especially criminals that really want to flaunt their wealth. And, you know, they, they buy the, the, the red Maserati and, and, and drive around and make a lot of noise and show. And, you know, they're attracting attention to themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I immediately think, Oh my gosh, you know, you were just trying to get caught (laughs) when when I hear about cases like that, but, um, probably the most famous case I think is one that your audience has never heard of. Um, there was a Pakistani money launderer, um, called Altaf Hanani, uh, who was, by the way, ultimately convicted and did serve time in a U.S. prison and was only recently released um, within the last year, I think. He, his, he was released 
um, early and his sentence was relatively light. So I'm, I suspect that he shared information about some of his criminal clients uh, as part of his plea bargain. But he ran um, an extensive money laundering operation across the globe. And he laundered money for um, Mexican drug cartels, for uh, terrorist organizations, for um, biker gangs in Australia who were, you know, selling meth. And word got out amongst, you know, criminal organizations that, oh, if you want your money laundered, he's the go-to, or that organization is the go-to place to do it because they were so cheap. You know, they, they would do it for less than a 5% commission. And they were able to do that because of economies of scale. Since he had this network of um, money exchangers and um, uh, hawala dars, uh, which are also acting as money exchangers, all over the world. And he also had um, the, the uh, hierarchy of the organization was well set up. So, for example, let's say you're the Australian biker gang um, in the meth business. You don't really know, you know, who is in that organization. You're just handing off your dirty money to a, a mule who's going to collect it or a cash courier. We call them cash couriers. That cash courier is then going to hand it off to another middleman um, who doesn't even know who the criminal client is. And, and then that, that middleman is going to hand it off to another broker who's going to then going to hand it off to the money exchanger. So the money exchanger doesn't know where this money is coming from either. Um, and you know, by dividing it up like that, if somebody gets caught, they really don't have enough intel to share with law enforcement on, you know, how this organization is set up. And then eventually, again, through this extensive global network of uh, operators involved in this money laundering operation, eventually the money would be wired from some offshore shell company straight into the accounts of the Australian biker gang. How much do you, do you know how much like he, they estimate that he did how much worth he did? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it was in the tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions, but they're not going to necessarily determine that because that's not going to affect his sentence. They just have to look, um, prove in, in at least one case that, that, his organization was responsible for that. And then the investigators are going to stop there because it's too much time and they don't need that for a conviction. He's not going to make it much longer though. I would imagine. Well, nobody knows where he is right now. Some people think that he is, you know, hiding somewhere in Pakistan, but he, he was operating out of Dubai. A, a, a professional money laundering will use multiple countries um, when they're moving the money and trying to, to hide its origin. What um, interesting development we're seeing is now the emergence of professional Chinese money launderers who are working with uh, Mexican drug trafficking organizations. Go figure. It's a global economy, I guess. Global economy. Here's some of the, 
Here's some of the lighter ones, I guess. Um, best TV show or movie that accurately depicts how it's done. Mm. Ozark is a good one. You you mentioned that earlier, especially the first couple seasons. In, in um, the latest season, they're very vague about it. <laughs> um, you know, they're working with shell companies and doing keeping track of it on the computer. They're not just, which is good. You don't want it to be a, a how-to manual for criminals, right? Um, but some of the challenges that Marty faces in in the first couple of seasons are very real. So they're very, it's very realistic. The um, ones that I can think of that maybe would be like Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Flash Better Call Saul, The Sopranos, maybe. I guess no. they were. No, not so much The Sopranos. Uh, Breaking Bad is, is is pretty good. Yeah. They um the chal- yeah, I would say Ozark and Breaking Bad are probably the best in terms of illustrating the challenges that a money launderer faces. At one point in Breaking Bad, uh, Walter White's wife, uh is the one who is supposed to know how to do this. So she's trying to help him launder the proceeds from his meth business and she can't do it quickly enough. And so she, she takes him to a, um, uh, a rental locker where all this money is piled up. And she said, you know, here it is. I can't, I can't move it through the car wash business fast enough without, you know, red flags popping up. That does seem like the issue, right? Like eventually there's just too much money involved Mm -hmm. that there's just, how can you do that so much, you know, and that kind of, is there any TV show or movie that you, that that's like, Oh God, these people got that wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I would say anytime you see a, a TV show or movie and it's happening less now, but in, in the past, you know, a decade ago or, or, you know, even older than that, where somebody opens up a briefcase and, you know, says, here's your $5 million, Mr. Bond, you know, that there's no way you can fit $5 million into a briefcase. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> okay. Put your feet to the fire on this one. <laughs> I like this question. Um, if you personally were to start laundering money, how long before you think you would get caught? Mm. Could you get away with it? Do you think using your expertise, could you do it? Well, I think that I would know how to do it well. Okay. But what I couldn't do is trust my criminal clients. You know, that it's no matter how well I do it um, in terms of avoiding detection, my criminal clients can always turn me in. That's pretty much all the questions that we got. Is there anything that you think that we missed or? DeFi. Oh, what's DeFi? What is, I don't even know what this is. Decentralized finance and web 3.0. I think that you're going to see criminals uh, exploring that avenue as, as a way to hide and launder money because right now it's not very well regulated. That makes a lot of sense, right? Like that's the, what I don't, I think whenever people don't even know what it really is yet, then you've got the wild West there. Right. Right. Yeah. And then people talk about privacy coins. 
as well, which um, where you don't have a public blockchain where you can follow the money. And um, the problem there, though, is that it's really hard to launder those privacy coins. Most reputable cryptocurrency exchanges are not going to exchange your privacy coins for Bitcoin or, or um, you know, dollars. And, and so that's a problem. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to buy a house, for example, if, if you're collecting your criminal revenue in the form of privacy coins. But have you ever, to kind of the existential question, right? Mm-hmm. Has, has the difficulty of money laundering ever stopped a criminal in the sense that like, well, I was going to sell these drugs, but I can't launder the money, so I'm not? Not necessarily, but what it does is it, it makes them jump through a lot of other hoops. It increases their cost of doing business. And it, and they're going to start doing things that are suspicious that makes it easier for them to get caught. So maybe we can't catch them selling the drugs and smuggling the drugs, but we might maybe even be easier to catch them trying to launder the money. It's exposure. Mm-hmm. I want to thank Professor Rusin so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter. TikTok, and Instagram, and we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. What crime do you think you could get away with? Probably stealing. Probably stealing uh, expensive expensive things from stores. I feel like I feel like that's pretty easy nowadays to get away with if you can do it right. Oh, I don't know, man. They got security cameras everywhere now. How many times have you gone through whatever, any kind of store, and the 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 thing goes off, right, the sensors, and nobody checks you? Like, no one comes over to say, hey, why are they going off because you went through? Like, that's probably happened to me five times in the last three years, and I just walk. I just keep walking, and I could have stolen... But then you got don't you have then don't you have the tag still on the clothing like how do you wear it then? First off, you're making it seem like I like I have stolen things. Um, hmm. It's funny you would ask me this question actually, because probably about a month or so ago we were at a mire and uh, we're 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 getting out of our car and this this woman goes running past us and following her is a is a shopping cart full of liquor. And the shopping cart, like I stop the shopping cart and the woman keeps running. She gets into a car and they speed off. Next thing I know, a cop car goes whizzing by us. Uh, she had r- ran out of the store with all of this, uh, what would have been stolen liquor. But uh, uh, the loss prevention officer uh, uh, caught her. And I didn't even know that was a thing. But apparently uh, major retailers have just plain closed people. How did you not know that, dude? I, I mean, you live in Detroit. That should be a normal place. <laughs> like, I live in Seattle, which doesn't have quite the criminal reputation that Detroit has. And we've got those guys, like, everywhere. Also, did you take it? Wait, so the shopping, did you get any out of the shopping cart? Or did you? No, did you I didn't take all? anything. I, I actually, because uh, I'm such a good guy, uh, there was, like, another cop that was uh, on foot, like, walk Because they, they were able to get the car stopped, and another cop was, like, walking by us. And I was like, how are you guys doing? And he's like, all right. I was about to jump in and make a citizen's arrest. 
You were about to step in and just get, <laughs> get my ass kicked. Just get your <laughs> Let me help out here. Just yeah. Ambulance. <laughs> Ambulance. Excuse me. Officer, I can only run for about two feet, and then I'm going to need your oxygen. I haven't. When's the last time you think you dead sprinted? Hasn't been in a long time, I can tell you that. At least five years, at least. You're going to say that you've dead sprinted in your 30s? I don't think that you have. Mm. I bet it's been 15 years, man. I bet you haven't dead sprinted since college. Yeah, you're probably right on that. That's uh, it's kind of depressing when you really think about it. Yeah, we're woefully underprepared physically to do any kind of criminal activity. <laughs> so you think that you could steal something. I think that you would have a harder time stealing high-end stuff. I would go like mid-range, like the 100 to to $1,000 area. Because I don't think you do a lot of time for that. I've always wanted to lead police on a chase, uh, but then I don't want anyone to get hurt, right? Because I don't want to crash anyone. I don't want anyone to crash because of me. Uh, but, uh, you know, and you don't go to jail for that long, for, you know, if you just lead police on a on a chase. I mean, you do kind of just get a bunch of moving violations, which probably add up, and you probably do more time <laughs> than you think. That leads me to my other question. What kind of crime, even though you and I are law-abiding citizens, like – what kind of crime do you think that you probably will commit or could oh. see yourself committing in the next whatever of your life? Like a serious crime. Like, ooh, I might – I could see myself doing that. I, I, I don't see myself committing a crime, and I probably wouldn't say it on this podcast because then I'm going to be caught. So Maybe like tax evasion. I could do, ta- I could do some time for tax evasion. I could I see mean, that. fraud. I, identity Fraud. theft. I mean, anybody can do that nowadays. I think you could do it accidentally. Like, I feel like I could go to jail for accidentally doing tax evasion. Like, oh, I, I didn't know that. I mean, I do my own taxes. I always feel like I'm about to get busted. You do your own taxes? That bravo. Good for well, you. Well, I mean, turbo ta- I put the information into TurboTax by myself. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I consider that doing my own taxes if I put it into TurboTax. It's just numbers and stuff. Like, I'd just rather pay someone to do it for me. You so pay right. somebody? Fucking money bags? How much I, is yeah. it? How, do you how have much? Your own, how much? It's in the hundreds of dollars. Wow. TurboTax is like 50 bucks, bro. Just get that. <laughs> All you got to do is put your numbers. Do you have, do you have, you got something going on I don't know about? You got complicated <laughs> finances? I have other streams of income other than my main oh, job. Oh, God. You mean selling baseball cards online and gambling? <laughs> more, more so the second one, than the first one. But yeah, okay. You know, it, in <laughs> I don't Michigan think that now, you can say stream of income and gambling in a straight face. You All get right? uh, so. What's crazy? Once again, uh, I've been on a certain gambling site, sports gambling site, probably for six years now, and I looked the other day at my how much I've spent and how much I've made. If you had to take a guess. Just w- w- within whatever, uh, how much do you think I've either made or lost in six years of being on this gambling website? God, I really have no idea. And that's the thing is, like, I wouldn't be shocked by any amount that you told me either. If you said <laughs> 50 bucks, I wouldn't be any more surprised than if you said $5,000. I can tell you it's $12 I've lost. Oh, that's six, really. But wait, years. how much have you gambled? So basically, you've wasted all this time. You've spent six years and made twelve dollars. If you think about it, that <laughs> no, means I lost. Tw- I've lost twelve dollars. I haven't even made it. I've lost. Oh, that's it. not too bad. So you've essentially like it's cost you two dollars a year. 
<laughs> what a waste of time this has been for you. That's why I don't gamble. It's just like to me. Well, because I mean, it's it's that that old uh, that old saying, right? Like you never know when to walk away, and that's my problem. Yeah, that's a crime that that I would commit. Some kind of gambling, something. I could see myself like somebody comes up to me and they're like, "Hey, we can do this, this, and this, and cheat it." You know, cheat out the blackjack table. Oh, you know, let's do it. I could see I could see me being talked into that maybe after a couple of drinks. Do you think though that would you be like the guy who's committing it or would you be the secret patsy for the real criminals? <laughs> I must be honest, I'd be the patsy, but I would like to think I was like the crime boss. Yeah. You wanna know what I was told today? Yeah. I went to the dermatologist and they want to prescribe me a cream for, for some things I got going on. And uh, <laughs> it's not Oh, wait a minute. Dude, first of all, you need to clarify that a little bit because if you don't give some kind of information, everybody's going to think that you just got massive herpes down there. Uh, so I, I have uh, on my face, it's not necessarily a condition, but my pores uh, are like, some of them are filled up with oil and they create like these little crater things on my face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So so anyway, so <laughs> the process is they have to go with like this little needle gun and they have to to each of them and they have to like you know disgusting. pop it and yeah anyways. it's disgusting okay just get to to it yeah yeah that's the point uh anyway so they want to give me a cream that will you know help it and blah 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 and they're like you probably don't want to go out in the sun because it, it, it basically acts as like a an accelerated um suntan lo- like a non-suntan lotion like it does the opposite of that tanning and if you you know would be the word tanning oil yes like and like- if <laughs> and if you know me, if you look at me, I probably can't be much paler than I already am. So No, I mean, like, if you think of a baby coming out of the womb that was delivered in the dark and mother <laughs> never went outside, like, imagine a pale vampire is basically what John looks like. Like, a pa- like for a vampire, other vampires would be like, damn, that dude is pale. When I, when I told uh, the dermatologist uh, that I lived in Florida for three years, I don't think she believed me. She was like, "Oh, okay, that's great." Right. Yeah, you need you need to get. I mean, Dude, you might have a vitamin D deficiency. Like, <laughs> like you know, we have these fancy your like, eyes work, like these fancy O ring light things, and like I'm looking at me holding the mic right now, and no joke, it's it's like you can't really tell where my hand starts or stops because it's, it's just almost so... translucent, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, true. True. Speaking Anyways. of which, de- debuting a new segment right now, John Saul's WrestleMania reviews. Let's hear about it. <laughs> Give me I a mean, review I'm... and make it fast. You got thirty seconds. I need a thirty-second WrestleMania review. Uh, one of the best WrestleManias of recent memory. Cody Rhodes was the by far the biggest surprise. It was the best surprise. Uh, Johnny Knoxville was surprisingly good, along with Pat McAfee, and probably the worst match was the biggest match. The most hype match, which was the main events between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Ah. That was pretty good. Was that... that was a good job. Right? <laughs> was that 30 seconds? I don't know, but it was I think close. that was actually 30 seconds. So on your scale of 1 to 10 body slams, how many body slams? Or should we do five? <laughs> how many body slams are you giving this WrestleMania? Or can we do how many it's real to me, damn it? <laughs> yes. I, I hope that's not hope that's not <laughs> copyrighted. Um I, you know what? I'm going to give it four and a quarter. It's still real to me, damn it. It's 4.25 out of five. <laughs> it's okay. Still... All right. 
yeah. 4.25 it's real to me damn it all right let's 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 go to the shout outs then huh all right man let's uh hold on i'm having a quick uh, technical <laughs> issue but here we go all right uh heidi allen appreciate you andrew gallagher clayton etheridge kyle chandler lee archer adolph swenson jonathan Whoa. Harmon, <laughs> ashley thorpe david Schopal, and jeffrey rhodes you all get I, the shout outs. I have never heard of another person named Adolf. That's the first Adolf I've ever heard. Like you would think that that name was retired. Like what should we name our kid? A- uh, you sure about that? I still think in in, in Europe it's it's still a, a pretty commonplace uh, name. I would think in Europe it'd be even a little bit more frowned upon. I mean, you, and it could be, but I, I, I know, I know plenty of Adolfs or Adolfos, like in in Latin America. Yeah, Adolfo dude, that's for... a little bit different. That's like <laughs> it's still Adolf. You don't, you don't know a lot of Jesuses in America, but you know probably a lot of Jesuses. Like it's a little <laughs> bit different name. <laughs> All right, well, here, here's what we're gonna do before we offend literally everyone that listens to this show. Uh, you want to hear my candle of the month or what? I don't know. I don't. Can we handle a WrestleMania review and a candle of the month in the same episode? I mean, I, I even I have three of them, so we can wait, and it might multiply to six. But it's up to you. Well, first of all, the candle of the month is supposed to be one candle. <laughs> I, I just can't do one. I mean, you have to. That's the part of it. That's like, look, if you're going to be, as you quote one. said, the outlaw candle connoisseur that you want to be, which is <laughs> words from your fucking mouth. You can't I, come I in here with three candles. People want one candle. What's the best? Not the three best. I want the best. So pick one. Okay. I, I can pick it. I, I got it. You ready? All right, man. Let's hear it. And if you come with some weak stuff like spring flower, I swear <laughs> to God, you better have some good suggestions. Dun, da, da, da. Honeysuckle and peach Brits. It's good, man. You can get it at uh, Bath and Body Works. It's on sale right now. It's an online exclusive, so head over to whatever their website is and check it out. Okay. What's good about it? Like, why? What sets it apart from other potential candles in a month? (laughs) So, it's a two tier candle. So, you get like the honeysuckle first and then the peach braids second. So, and when they burn and they come together in the middle, it's, it's an awesome aroma. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's a two-tier candle? They got it on, like, one side, like it's kind of like vanilla and chocolate, but chocolate's (laughs) on one side, vanilla's on the other, but you can swirl them if you want? Or is it two tiers, like, first you burn through the honeysuckle, then you get to the whatever? Yeah, peach Brits. Yeah, that's what it is. It's top than bottom, not left and right. Well, why wouldn't it be left and right? I would feel like left and right would burn better than top, because otherwise you're just getting one and then the other. It's not really mixing. Why wouldn't they make it left and right, and then you will wick on each side, and you light them both, and you get the mix of smells? Listen, man, I don't make the candle. I why just like you? it. Yeah, we should patent that. Why? Why aren't we making profoundly pointless candles? I don't know. Because <laughs> you're lazy. <laughs> <Can we? laughs> God, you don't want me making candles. Can we find the? I'm gonna find the um the wrestling guy. It's still real to me. Damn it, we're gonna have him on in the next in the next year. It's amazing. Some of those stories about those people, like you find them later on. Some of those people got paid for that stuff. Sure. I mean, he's... Like some of those memes. I mean. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on. All right. Let's see here. I got a couple of uh, 
bangers for you. Oh boy. Uh, let's see which which old school haircut would you? <laughs> I'm trying to fix my camera thing. I know what's going on there. It's like I you're giving know. me I'm the completely out of focus. Well, this is that's great. What happens keep... when you, that's what happens when you trust Ricky at Best Buy. <laughs> Ricky, we're coming for you. We're coming getting for a full, you, Ricky. There we go. Getting a full refund. Uh, all right. Uh, it's, free. it's hard to get a refund on something that you technically didn't pay for. Uh, <laughs> which old school haircut would you rock today? A mullet, a bowl cut, or a man bun? I don't think man bun is old school at this point. It's old school like that was already over and that lasted for like a week or two. I'd go bowl cut out of sheer irony. <laughs> you would just sheer irony, just to straight bowl cut it and see how it goes. But the weird thing is those haircuts are coming back. It's like the kids of today forgot. Either they're making fun of us or they forgot how ridiculous it looked. Or they're trying to look ridiculous on purpose. Because they've experienced everything and this is all that they have left. Like, what else are we going to do? Well, we might as well look like idiots. So when, when uh, you know, let's let's go back 40 years to when Nick was little Nick. Did First you, have of you all, always... that's offensive. <laughs> I had, okay, I'm fine. still a young man. 30 years. Um, 30 years, thank you. Uh, what, what, what kind of haircut were you rocking as a 10-year little boy? I had a butt cut. <laughs> Straight down the middle. Looked like a... <laughs> Looking back on it, like braces and a butt cut, straight down oh, the middle. God. And I made sure because I'm OCD and all that kind of stuff. Like it was straight down the middle. Like it had to be right <laughs> down the middle. Like I took a comb and went up from the middle of my nose and split it straight down the middle. That's how serious about the butt cut that I was. Wow, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I couldn't have a butt cut that was slightly off to the side. That would I'd start twitching. How about you? How about you? What are you gonna rock? Oh man, I'm I'm gonna go with the mullet for sure. I never had the well, yeah, no, I'll go butt cut. It's more of my style. I mean, I had probably I probably had four different hairstyles growing up, and one was the grunge look, which is weird, just where you, you like let your bangs come down to your eyes. It was it was a weird time for what? me. What? Yeah, yeah, you know dude, the, that was a weird time. Yeah, man. Uh let's see. I had a bowl cut. I had a mullet. And then I, I had uh, kind of like a beaver tail, I think they call it. Oh, did you have a rat tail? Uh, yeah, except mine was more, it was bigger. It was like a paddle. <laughs> like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I still had stuff on the top, too, which was even more embarrassing. A beaver tail. The upgraded version of the rat tail. <laughs> like, no, the rat tail is too trashy. Make it wider. That'll look better. I'm just just saying, man. I, you know, whatever. Did you have Jinkos? Uh, what'd you say? Did you ever have Jinkos? I did have Jinkos. I did. You're taking a, a big guy. You know, true story. My mom, I remember buying, like, I wanted the Jinkos, and my mom got me some. Her exact words to me. Why do you want jeans that are already going to make a fat person look fatter? Dang. True, man. I, I wore that's, them. And that's then, a blow. Oh, dude. It was. And then I remember like also wearing like that was my my goth time. So like I, I wore like the Power Man 5000 t-shirts. Motherfucker. Got, like, if you had a choker, I'm going to end this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have a choker, but I do remember there was a point in time uh, not in the goth time, but I had the puka shells. I had the puka shell necklaces. 
And for people who went through this phase, look, it's not that I'm making fun of people who went through this phase. It's not making fun of John who went through this phase. I mean, phase. we can. I mean, we can make fun of people. I mean, maybe we should make fun of people who had puka shells. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, all right, so this is kind of a – this is also the current event I want to talk about, but I have a, a question before we get to that. No I'm sure sure you know what it is. I don't. Uh, but, but here's the question. Uh, would you rather be slapped by Will Smith or humiliated verbally by Kanye on stage? Oh, I don't mind being verbally humiliated. The thing is, is like, look, I don't know how – Chris Rock did that because for me, maybe it's maybe it's the nature of my relationship, but I could not be slapped by another man and come home and have my wife still here if I didn't do something. <laughs> like she would be looking at me like you're gonna let somebody slap you and then think that you could provide for our children. Like she would be looking at me like, what did you just do? <laughs> and maybe not even her, but I would think that that's how she would look at me. Like there's no way I'm taking one. I, I'm not saying that like, look, I'm not some tough guy. Like I'm going to go back, come back and roll Will Smith. But I'm at least going to like shoot the legs and try to bite his ankle or something. <laughs> like, yeah. How about I, I, I? That's not happening. You can't slap another man. You can't. You know, at, at first I, I thought it was fake. Uh, I thought and, that too, actually. I thought it was fake too, and I'm still not really entirely convinced that it's not actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm also not either. But uh, let's say it was absolutely real. There's no way that somebody slaps me like that, and I just don't try to tackle them or so. I look, I just don't stand there in shock. I understand why he would have been in shock. But I don't think I would have been in shock. I would have been seeing red as soon as I, as soon as he hit me. I think. No, okay, I again. I'm not trying to be Mr. Tough Guy, right? Like maybe I would have taken that right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. But we're meeting in the parking lot afterwards. Like you, <laughs> no, you no have. Way, man. There's no way I'm gonna let myself be slapped by another man, and I'm the most passive person in the world. Like no, for no, that's not happening. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not either trying to be a tough guy, but I, the, to to stand there and be smacked like that, no way. That's the thing. Like it, it's the slap for me. If he would have punched me in the face, I would be completely like, all right, I'm gonna turn the other cheek. But being slapped, like, <laughs> mm, uh, uh-uh. nope. and then the second, that's the worse second- than being punched. The second part to me that baffles me is the fact that you have to take it for what it was at the time. And it was an assault and battery, like, at the time. Like, it was a crime. And fucking people are just like, yeah, all right, great, Will Smith. Good for you. And once again, I'm not I'm not taking sides. I mean, whatever. I understand there was a, a poorly, you know, a poor joke that was said. But, man, you know, for you to just do that and then people come and act like you're the victim will smith i just i don't agree with that whatsoever it's definitely one of those things that right in hindsight when you think about it like if one of these things that if you read about it 10 years from now and you read about like okay this guy comes in slaps another man then later on gets a standing ovation you would kind of be like wait what yeah what happened (laughs) it's a little bit outside of that moment it's a little bit kind of like, wait, what happened? But at the same time, like, if 
you're not calling the cops. Like, if you did that to me, I'm not calling the cops. If you know somebody and you guys got in an argument about something like that, we're not, like, it's not getting that far. And then he won Best Actor or whatever as well, and it's like, I I mean, I know that's done way before, but I just, man. Yeah, you think they would have, like, said something. Somebody would have done something where they would have been said, like, hey, wait a minute. Okay, he won, and they know. They know that after that happened, somebody had to have been, like, running the show thinking, like, wait a minute. Not only did it just happen, but he won. So what are we going to do here? Like, you think that they would have had some sort of plan in place that whatever man it's over with it's, it's just it's it's insane to me man we're so desensitized that everyone was just like oh yeah whatever it's you know but cool. that, that's the best thing to happen to the oscars in five years uh okay you got anything else are you ready are we you ready i'm ready all right i put a lot of thought into this more thought than I normally put into our top five lists. And that's saying something because I like to make, put some effort in there. But our top five is top five bills. Like top five U.S. current – top five U.S. currency denominations or top five bills. What's your number five? So this one's going on there just because it uh, – you know, it's, it's obscure. It's probably the only obscure bill uh, that we have uh, and that's the $2 bill. There's a certain nostalgia to it. I thought about the $2 bill, but ultimately, like, I feel like there's enough of them in circulation that this is never going to be worth anything. It's just kind of the fact that you have it, that you have a $2 bill. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets like my all my celebrity uh, shot, you know, like that. that's why I put it on there because it's like if you, if, if you have a $2 bill, you feel special uh, to me at least. Have you, do you have one right now? Uh yes, I have a few actually. They're they're somewhere safe. You really think that this is worth like I gotta keep these bad boys? Where are they somewhere safe? Are they in like some sort of actual safe? Or are they just like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna put them underneath my underwear so when the person robs me, they have oh to God. look for them. Like I don't want them getting the two dollar bill. You know, speaking of, someone broke into my car last week, by the way. That they didn't steal anything, but they made a mess. Did you um, leave it unlocked did you leave it unlocked? I did, like a moron. Yeah, so it's basically your fault. Anyways, uh, I have yes, I have. They're they're in a safe. Um, just because I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you that there's like so many of them in circulation, but you know, uh, just what I'm else not even do you, like? What else do you what? have in the safe? So it's like you've got your two dollar bill, and what else is in the safe? Just give me an idea. Lock of hair from my first love. You mean your your hand? <laughs> 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 uh, that's skin, actually. Uh, anyways, what's your number five? Just what? Give me an idea. What else is in there? I'm not gonna tell people what's in my safe. I just want to cons- compare the valuability of the things in your safe. Like, ooh, here I've got a sign. Tom Brady signed last no, touchdown it's... football, and I'm gonna put it in my two dollar bill. Or it's... you've got like your two dollar bill and a social security card. Like you don't have anything really worth anything in the safe. No, it's the safe is fireproof. More or less, in case something happens to our house, we have uh, important documents in there. That way, we know that you know they, they won't burn up bill. or other things. Okay, all right, and that in a two dollar bill. That's a good idea. I should actually probably have a safe. Uh, so my number, my number five is the hundred dollar bill. 
Mm, I put okay. that pretty high, mainly just because like it's a pain in the ass, and a lot of people don't have change for a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> okay, um, okay. I think we I think we went a little bit different thoughts on our list, but I, I'll get yeah. back to the hundred dollar bill. Mine is mainly based upon convenience, and a hundred dollar bill is not really very convenient. Because who has change for that in a place where you're going to be spending cash? I want to reserve my comments on the $100 bill until a little bit later. Okay. All right. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is a 20. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's probably pretty, the second most used denomination that I that I use personally. Um, the way that you feel about a 20 is how I feel about a 10. So my number four is a 10. Okay, you you would say that that's your second most used form of uh of currency is a ten dollar bill. No, just in terms of like, that's all right. Okay, it's yeah, more I mean, convenient than the one hundred, but it's not really like, it's not really a lot of money. Yeah, not really. And it's nope. so. And this is my other reasoning why. And my number three is a five. Because to me, a 10 is less useful than a 5 because most of the time if you're giving somebody like cash tips, mm-hmm. like you get a ride to the airport or something, you know, you take the shuttle, you can give somebody a small tip. Like I don't want to yeah. give them a 10, but I'll give them a 5. So to me, a 5 is more useful than a 10, which is why it's lower on my list. Yeah, so I have 5 as my number 3 as well. It's kind of for what – it's 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 a little more uh, – uh, what's the word? Uh, it's a little more like you use it more than a dollar. Like you can get more of a five dollar bill, but it's not a ten. You know, so it's useful. More it's useful u- is the word you're looking for. It might be the most useful bill on my top five. I could see the five. I could see the five being the most useful bill because a lot of otherwise, you've got to have too many ones, and and five dollars yeah. isn't like. I've never had a tip in which I've never been in a tipping situation in which like, oh, I was going to give this person three dollars, but five is too much. Like, here's five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like a five is a standalone bill, right? A lot of times like ones have to go with like quarters or something. Five is is pretty, pretty standalone in my opinion. I'll give you that. That's a good standalone bill. What's your number mm-hmm. one? What's your number two then? Uh, my number two is the hundred dollar bill. Wow. Why would you have that that high? Because to me, that's not very useful. It's almost a pain in the ass. Well, that's because you apparently don't spend enough, man. Well, no, I'm just worried about people giving me change so I can spend more. I don't want to just be like, you got 100. Who's got change for 100? I mean, I, I've never had that issue, but I, I the only time that I've ever dropped hundreds has been at entertainment events or, or entertainment venues or Strip different clubs. things just, just say strip clubs <laughs> or bars i mean they're they're you know and i'm not i'm not saying i i've ever had any money but i i have tried to be a baller at some point in my life and it's never worked out well i don't think that i've ever at one of those establishments i mean i've tipped more mm-hmm. but i've never thrown anything above a dollar <laughs> a dollar denomination like maybe i've i've never thrown a five in my life like i'm a cheap person <laughs> Yeah, you're a kind of a shithead. No, but I don't engage in services like that where I would like, right? You like I'm you don't, just I, cheap. I I spent uh, a, a weekend with you in Vegas, and you I I can attest you are not you're not a fan. 
That's because, to me, I always remember my first job at a chicken restaurant getting burned while cooking fried chicken and working and getting like five bucks. So to me, five dollars, every time I think of five dollars, I think of an hour in that fucking chicken restaurant. That's what five dollars is to me and how much I hated that. And it basically seared in a cheapness of like... How much chicken did you eat, though? It wasn't even good because I made it. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I was making it. I'm not eating the stuff that like... You're right. It must have been terrible. My, did I give my number two? Mm, say it again if you did. I don't think you did. My number two is a dollar. I think yeah, that's you, ex- yeah, is pretty useful. It's so pretty useful, right? That's my number one is a dollar. Your it's number dollar. one is see my number one is a twenty because a twenty okay. feels like a good amount of money still. Like ooh, I got some twenties. Where you don't feel that way with a dollar, and most people will generally have change for a twenty. And a 20 can buy you stuff, too, at the same time. Like a dollar, you're not really getting anything. Like 20, oh, you might get something with that. I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with the 20. I mean, a dollar for me is just, nowadays, I don't know what a dollar will buy you. But when, you know, when we were growing up and even 10 years ago, you could, you know, you pull out five ones and, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just different now. I mean, name me, even the dollar menu, I think, is like a dollar fifty now or a dollar twenty-five. Here's the other thing, the reason that I put 20 as number one is because a 20 is still enough money that that can get you some places in the sense of like you slip somebody a 20 at the beginning of a night at a bar, like you're going to get some good service. It's still enough money. You slip me a five or a 10, I'm like, okay, 100 is too much. You slip somebody a 20, like you're going to get in the door a little bit faster. They're going to take care of your car. They're going to take care of you. Like a 20 is still enough money to get you somewhere. I would, I would agree. I mean, twenty is still a decent amount of money. I mean, it, it it is. It just it really is. I mean, it's an hour if you think about it. An hour of what? An hour of work, <laughs> right? Okay, I was just making sure. I didn't know what you were referring to there. Well, I don't think twenty is going to get you an hour of that anywhere. And if it does, <laughs> you better be worried because yeah, you better <laughs> you're going to be spending five times that much time at the doctor's office getting John's poor cream, whatever, whatever he's really doing. Oh, no, I got poor cream. Yeah, okay, dude. Right. Nobody can see that. What's in your – okay, what's in your honorable mention? Well, there's really Uh, only two bills that are technically still in circulation. uh, Let's see. So uh, the 50. That's worthless. I don't even know if I've ever had a $50 bill. I really don't think – it's been at least long enough that I can't remember a time where I ever had a $50 bill. I mean, I I have had them, but, yeah, it's been a while. I mean – and I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the other bills that I that I left off. I think I left off the twenty. I think, but I don't even. You remember left at this off point. a twenty. I, I I must not have. I don't know. Oh, let's look up the list of U.S. bills. I think there was a five hundred and a thousand at one point. Oh Jesus! Which well. seems to be worthless. I wouldn't want a five hundred dollar bill. What's the most amount of money you have ever carried on your person? Like, can oh, you think of the most amount of cash you've ever had on you at one time? I mean, it's been four digits. Really? Yeah, but it was only on me for about an hour. <laughs> you lost gambling? No, no. Uh, uh, down payment for my house, actually. I had to go to the, the bank you and put take... It in, you did it in cash? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because we were... Uh, we actually... Uh, we had paid the original down payment... And then there was something else that we we didn't factor in, so we had to come up with with, with some money the morning of uh, 
Wow. Uh, so I guess I had, no, the most I've ever had in my hand is $3,500 when I sold my truck. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's the most I've ever had. But that was from just selling a truck, like the most. And then before that, I was a bartender in college, so maybe like 500 bucks. That's legit, though. That's I mean, that's a lot of money for a college kid to have on hand. That is hand. a lot of money for a college I mean, kid. Here's a here here's something. Can you name uh, what is there seven main bills? I think couldn't name any of them. I, I don't think I can oh, really? name you a single president on any of them. I'll, I bet I'll you give I it a shot. Okay, yeah, let's do it because I, I know all of them. So do it. Let's start with Frank, the easy one. Franklin's on a on a hundred. He is on the hundred. Yes, I get, I'm thinking of rap songs. <laughs> That's the only way I can think about it. Like Franklin's. That's a hundred. Lincoln on the five. Lincoln's on the five, yep. Grant on the 50. Grant is on the 50. See, you're getting there. I think you're almost halfway. Andrew Jackson on the 10. No. Washington on the one. Washington's on the Jefferson one, yep. on the 10. Uh, no. Jefferson on the 20. Nope. Who's on the 20? Who's on the 20 and the 10? Uh, Andrew Jackson on the 20. <sighs> and Alexander Hamilton on the 10. Well, they seem like those are wastes, right? Like, if you're thinking of Franklin, Washington, and, Thomas, and then you uh, got... Jefferson's on the $2 bill, actually. Oh, that seems about right. Yeah. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the best bill denominations. I think you can make a strong case for pretty much all of them as the first one, as the number one, except for like the $2 bill. I'm glad that John is keeping this in his safe like it's someday going to be worth a lot of money, but they're, they're not special. They're not. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.